0: Second's flat. Give me up. Look at
1: Bill! Look at Bill! I'm down i he i he it!
0: Hello again, friends, and welcome in for mile 124 of the Seconds Flat Running Podcast. Travis here, got Phil
1: in studio with me. We got lots to talk about today, man. We do, Phil. How you doing? Doing good. Going through withdrawals right now, though. From? The tour's over. World Champs are over. Okay. Healthy things. Uh, Yeah, good things. Yeah. Of course, I've watched more TV the past three weeks than we
0: uh, will do probably the whole rest of the year. It's, it's such a good time to be a fan of endurance sport. Oh. Uh, we'll jump into the world champs here first. Just some of our biggest takeaways, the things that we most enjoyed. But before we do that, there's another reason that you're doing really well, Phil. What's that? Somebody signed up for a marathon. Oh, you, I did. You conned me into it. We have a registration. It's official early December. 19 weeks out. Is but, it? But who's counting? No, I, clearly I <laughs> wasn't, and I'm running it also. You're in too. I better start counting. Uh, I think we'll have to figure out over the coming weeks some sort of bet, some sort of competitive okay. agreement here. I thought it threw a little bit on my run this morning, actually, okay. Phil. I thought maybe... Like there's a time handicap was gonna or something. Say, I'm quite a handicap to you. Some sort of evening of the playing field so that we make it a really competitive event. I like that idea. Seeing as last summer it was me and Ben in Olympic events of all sorts and he just bailed on well, it. Well, which that, you
1: dominated every one of. Right.
0: Crowned me the champion. <laughs> there were a lot of DNFs uh, or DNSs, really. Right. So, yeah, I'm excited for you. I guess it's 19 weeks away. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. I should be aware of that. I am writing the training. So uh, that'll be super exciting. And well, it's, well, it's uh, U.S. champs for the marathon. It is, once too. again, the U.S. champs. So we look forward we'll to... We'll both be competing. Well, yes, we will. <laughs> well, in the Time Handicap division, That's we will right. both be competing. We look forward to... As we near CIM, giving you a race preview, course preview, and then the occasional updates on our training yeah, as we go through, through and, and a and, recap of yep. it at the end. Uh, I'm super excited for you to run out there. That
1: is... It's, well, you, you've oh, been what? I've been. Twice?
0: and It's, yes, super fun race. Okay. I was out there, uh, maybe it's been three years ago, ran a good race. It was a bit warm and humid, uh-huh. but even... Still, was decent conditions. It's it's one of the safer bets for good yeah. weather. As soon as I say that, I'm certain it'll be the one year like it was the maybe storm eight through. years ago. They got some snow. Our, our buddy Dan Moss was out. He ran it, and it was a snowy morning. Well, so, considering
1: it was 94 today, I could go for some snow right now. Right,
0: I would take it over what we've been running in for the past couple weeks, and we'll probably be running in for the next few at least what, month. Yeah. yeah, got that to look forward to. All right, so world champs, uh, we Over 10 days in Eugene, Oregon. Finally on U.S. soil. Finally on U.S. soil. It was a heck of an event. So, Phil, I'm going to give it to you first. What were the maybe two, three things that stuck out to you most that made World Champs special? Yeah.
1: Probably number one is just the the quality and the amount of coverage that it got. Yes. You know, whether that's, you know, they had some NBC primetime, but... With all the subscription stuff that's available now, I mean, with Peacock, they covered everything. Wall to wall. Yeah. I mean, it was live. I watched pretty much every second of it. Uh, It was live, or you could go back and watch events that may have been, well, past my bedtime, um, the next day. So just that amount of coverage was really exciting to see. In my case, it was way past my bedtime, and I just stayed up every night, and
0: <laughs> my mood and health for the entire week were a total train wreck. Yes, yeah. Still waking up early to try to beat the heat to run. But yeah, man, I mean, I was knee-deep in race-walking on Peacock, uh-huh. because it was fantastic. Yeah, right. Coverage was, was really, really good, and the ratings were quite yeah, good from I what I read. I got read. a lot of
1: folks watching, too, yeah. so Yeah. No, will be on the race-walking, i I'm sitting there on the couch one night and watching the the 20K, I think. Yeah. My wife comes in. She's like, what the heck are you watching? It doesn't matter. It's track and field. That's right. (laughs) It's the World Championships. Babe, sit down. That's right. Grab a drink. Enjoy. Let's enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. Other big takeaways. Number one is U.S. women's marathoning. Yeah. Holy cow. We got, what, fourth, uh, sixth, and seventh? I believe it was. Sarah Hall got.
0: Yes. So it was in order. Sarah Hall, Emma Bates, Kira D'Amato. Yep. Uh, was it 467? I thought it was 578. Maybe you're right. Yeah. yeah.
1: Our whole women's team finishing in the top 10. Number one. Number two is Sarah Hall and Kira D'Amato are both in their late 30s. Yeah. And to still be putting now performances like that with the length of career that especially Sarah Hall has had mm-hmm. is impressive. And as well that they all have kind of done it their own way. Uh, yeah, I sent you an interesting podcast with Carrie Damato. I enjoyed that. Uh, I, I just with, listened to with it Michael the- Gervais. It's on the Finding Mastery. Yeah, um, it's a competitor of ours. Uh, <laughs> but she talks competitive about competitive cooperation. Uh, that's right. You know, how she first came out of college as is a potential superstar, but really got into one of these very professional groups that just did not work for her, and kind of fell off the sport with an with an injury, and went into a regular career had a couple of kids and then came back and now she's doing things kind of her own way but it, i think to me that highlights that there's not just one way to do this correctly and mm-hmm. that you got to find what works for you to to enjoy it to give you joy and to uh, you can still be competitive with it and then emma bates as well i mean she races everything from mountains yeah. to you know 20k roads to what have you and just the versatility that she has but also that 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 approach can be successful. At the highest levels of marathoning, as well, two Asics athletes among the three. True, yeah, uh,
0: that's so. That's a good showing uh-huh. for Asics among <laughs> the American
1: women. Uh, how about
0: how perfect or near perfect for summer weather marathoning? Yes. Uh, World Championships marathons yeah. are never under good conditions. No, I mean, you remember last time was Doha. Well, yeah, we were Doha. doing it in the middle uh, of the, middle of the of night,
1: what, three a.m. or something yes, like that, because it was under missing so bands because it was hot. so hot.
0: Yeah, so I would put that high on the list as well. Anything else you want to add? You want me to add? Oh, you're, you go next. I got okay. a couple
1: more, but let's hear yours. Well,
0: so th- I have three big things. One is the field events are uh, absurdly undervalued. Yes. Uh, the Sunday evening TV windows, the NBC mm-hmm. primetime windows, were about as compelling as any track and field action that I've watched in recent memory. Yeah. That that first Sunday evening from about 10 to eleven. You had men's shot put final with mm-hmm. Joe Kovacs and Ryan Krauser going back and forth and yep. a U.S. sweep. You had the women's pole vault with Sandy Morris and Katie Najat going back and forth. Uh-huh. And mixed into all this is the craziness, the absurdity of the 110 hurdles men's final with the Devin Allen uh, DQ. That's not oh a DQ. My gosh, yes. Yet we followed it up with still some redemption in Trey Holloway. Excuse me. Grant Holloway and Trey Cunningham winning medals. So it was just such good action and television for about a half an hour to an hour. And then the closing Sunday, and it was punctuated by finishing the meet with Mondo DePlantis and a new world record in the pole vault. He pushed it one centimeter higher than his previous Mm -hmm. world record. And cleared it quite easily yes, on the second jump. Despair. And then everyone just acted like it was no big deal when he did the, that front flip in a celebration <laughs> on the track. Like, this man's incredible. What an athlete. And then right before that, it was the women's four by four, uh-huh. which uh, the American team was sensational there. Oh, and we can just not draw So, right. So the women are good at that. Yeah. So that would be my, my number one thing is how good the field events were. And how good they were in the prime time yes, windows was yeah. was a lot of fun, and hopefully does something to help grow the popularity of those events, which even we admittedly don't sell as much as we should oh, because, those but these guys
1: are a different beast than distance runners yeah but it's still entertaining it
0: it's it sold itself, yeah number two i'd say the women 's four by one relay, the upset of Jamaica by the American yes. team. And the global context from leg one through leg four, the mm-hmm. entirety of our team, uh, you have Melissa Jefferson from Coastal Carolina, right? the precocious pup of the group. She gets us out to a great start on the open. You hand off to Abby Steiner on the back straight. And I don't know that anyone in the world in any sport or maybe just in life has had a better month plus than Abby Steiner. NCAA 200 meter Uh champion, which at the time was a world lead. Right. She also won the four by four with Kentucky there. Right. She was on the podium in the 100 at NCAAs. She comes back, she wins the U.S. championship in the 200, and then she gets gold here in a four by one at World and gold also in the four by four. Uh huh. Whew. I mean, that was a heck of a, well, like and the length weeks. of that season. Well, her season. season, she ran almost 60 races. Yes. Almost 60 races between her collegiate and now professional season. She deserves an off season. Yeah, no kidding. Take <laughs> it. Hey, kid, go to the beach. All right. She hands off to Jenna Prandini. This may have actually been my favorite 10-ish like, seconds of the entire 10 days when Jenna Prandini in front of the fans in Eugene as an Oregon product, uh-huh. uh, an ex-duck who has not, it, she's advanced to so many big meets but has not been able to make the finals right. individually and hasn't gotten the medal and now she's in front of the home crowd and she gets gold here but she ran an unbelievable curve when she is matched up with Shelly Ann Frazier-Price from mm-hmm. Jamaica, the fastest woman in the world, and holds her off on that turn. And then we hand it off to T.T. Terry, who is just, now it's hang on right. for the gold, and she did enough to bring it home. That was a, a tremendous performance by our women. I believe the third fastest four-by-one relay in world history. Okay, So uh, it was it was pretty special. I have one more. I'm going to save it for the last thing in this segment, though. So I want you to go ahead with what else you have. I got two you have.
1: one is you mentioned it earlier, but the issue with the the starting blocks, yeah, which really I think turns a casual fan off. We had what Agreed. two major disqualifications from the U.S. side: Devin Allen in the 110 hurdles, and there was a disqualification. I forget who from the women in the I believe hundred meters. It was the flat hundred, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a rule that's been in place for a couple of Olympic cycles now. I want to
0: clarify a little bit though. When you say rule, Phil, it is truly in accordance with the World Athletics wording and the statements they put out. It's a guidance, okay? Not not necessarily truly a rule that you have to pull somebody. They stated it's used to assist, but the the officials have in practice pretty much just used it right. because right, right, because that takes the the pressure off of them, and it doesn't look like there's any sort of bias towards
1: one person right. or another. So what what we're talking about is that the the blocks have sensors in them that pick up when those sprinters first make their move after the gun, mm-hmm. and they're set so that you know, if it's in point one seconds, correct me if I'm off on this, right. but within. That initial move occurs faster than 0.1 seconds. If their
0: reaction
1: time is less than a tenth of a second. Yes, then they're considered it's a false start, meaning that they've jumped too early. Uh, and previously, before it had the, this technology, it was all visual. So if somebody appeared to jump early, then they would have a false start. And historically, that they would restart the race, and you'd have a couple of false starts before you were disqualified. Now, yeah, there used to be a warning system. Yeah. yeah. And and they've tweaked it, whereas now it's basically a, a hard and fast. If you false start, then you're out. Yeah. Um, the issue with that is that, particularly in Devin Allen's race, is that he, his reaction time was, what, 0.9? 0.9, 0.09? He, 0.09, he that's nine? right. It was 1 1,000th of
0: a second below yep. – the standard. Yeah. And, and you can slow that thing down as much as you want, as many times as you want, and there was nothing to be seen. Right.
1: Um, and then as well in the women's flat 100, the the same thing occurred. She did jump a little early. From the casual fan perspective, that's very hard to understand. That's a very harsh ruling. yeah, And really, it, it takes some of the fun out of watching those – those events. Uh, Devin Allen in front of the home crowd uh-huh. in possibly his last, his last race track meet ever. Before becoming
0: a NFL wide right. receiver. Right. And add to the mix Hansel Parchment injures himself in the warm up right beforehand, going over a hurdle uh-huh. as probably the only real threat to an American sweep. Right. And now Allen is virtually guaranteed a medal. Right. And we don't get to see it. We're not doing ourselves any favors with the casual fan. Your hope is that it's such, it's so egregious that it brings attention to the rule. Right. Because in general, it would appear that there's perhaps some technical issue as well because of the number of starts that were not false starts, but so were, were so very close fast. to the yes. standard as compared to previous yep. championships. Yep. Yeah. What else, Phil?
1: The other is the number of rivalries that are starting to develop. Oh, Specifically, yeah. Specifically, Noah Lowell's and Aryan Knight. They're fun, aren't they? Which Noah allows? give me the numbers on, on his, 200 win. Uh, New American record? Yeah, 20.31. Yep. Which she ran a 9.1 second final 100 on that. And then we have Arian Knighton, who is. What? I said 20.31, didn't I? I don't remember. Uh, (laughs) 19.31. Fast. Yeah. But then we have Arian Knighton coming up as our our new up and coming sprinter who is running faster times than Bolt at that age. Mm -hmm. So not only are we seeing these huge performances, but. There's some really trash talk that's going on between the two of them that really just makes it a little bit more entertaining to have that that rivalry and competition. Well, I love that you brought that one
0: up because it segues into my next one well. I spent some time during the week texting back and forth with a friend who is at best a very casual fan of track and field who probably watches some of this because he knows I'm watching and Uh we will chat about it. But I gave him some of the Lyles-Snyton background, yeah. and he said, I'm locked in for the 200. Yep. And he enjoyed that race. But there was an event that he knew before the 10 days began. He wanted to see, and it's an athlete he will watch because of her excellence. That is Sidney McLaughlin oh, my and goodness. the 400 hurdles. Spin it from this perspective. Was that among the most dominant sporting performances ever. Oh, 100%. Sports in general, right? My buddy JR and I discussed it, and he called her 400 hurdles race. His his quote was tiger-like, referencing Tiger Woods. Uh Uh, Again, first, she's one of the few reasons that he's even watching to, to see what Sydney does. That's a great point in her excellence bringing eyes to track and field. But the second piece to this is I believe a Tiger Woods comparison is underselling what she just did, frankly, because uh, we can remember Tiger Woods won a bunch of majors over his career. He's one of, if not the best golfer ever he's in. There's only two names on the list, probably. And he won a few of those by huge margins. Right. But couch it this way. Tiger Woods never won one of those majors by a huge margin. Over a field that included in their prime, Jack Nicholas, Tom Watson, and Ben Hogan. And that's what she just did. Because the second and third best hurdlers ever were in that field right. with her. And, and they weren't even in the race. They looked like amateurs. Yeah. And actually, the silver medalist, Fimka Boll, would have broken a world record not right. too long ago with that performance where she just got blown out of the water. Right. I know Dalila Muhammad. it was not necessarily her peak. She's had some injuries, but she's still really in her prime. If Femke is for a second to get into how good she is, (laughs) the the Dutch 4x4 team got DQ'd in the prelims. You don't normally see handoff issues in a 4x4, but they dropped a baton and, and got DQ'd but that was before her leg and they ran it through Mm -hmm. and she actually brought them all the way from the back of the field in the, in the last leg on the anchor to an automatic qualifying position. Uh, She passed so many other women. Yeah. And she is remarkably talented. Dalila Muhammad is a world champion and former world record holder. Sydney's doing that against them at their best by an incredible margin. Yeah. And, Setting a new world record, breaking her own world record, and we're not talking fractional. I mean, this would be several percent better right. than anything she has run before. I want to see her run the flat four hundred. I want to see her run the flat eight hundred. I think she sets the world record in all of yeah. them. It.
1: It's no with an athlete incredible. like that. I mean, that's they have four hundred speed, they have eight hundred speed. Yes, yeah. the four hundred hurdles is probably my favorite event to watch, just because of the the technicality of it. Yeah, the. The conditioning that it requires. You know, it's 50 seconds, but the strength to go over those hurdles. Right. It's also one of the most challenging mm-hmm. events. It's one of the most grueling. And she makes it look Easy. effortless. Yeah.
0: And Yeah. that uh, I think that maybe the Tiger Woods comparison is a little more Elliot Kipchoge, where he's had all the world marathon majors, and he's yep. won a bunch in a row, and he's got a huge total of them. But he didn't beat... Bill Rogers and Frank Shorter and Rob DiCostella and uh, Toshi Seiko, let's say, Sammy Wanjiru, all at their prime, all with the same shoe technology as him. It's excellence in a single moment that's so hard to find any comparison to. I'll actually give you the kind of obscure most recent thing I think of. Joe Burrow, now the Bengals quarterback, When he was in college in that national semifinal game, uh, I believe it was against Oklahoma in the Sugar Bowl, and I think he threw seven touchdowns in the first half. Yeah. I'm I'm watching the best quarterbacking I've ever watched. I watched the best running and hurdling I've ever watched when she was on the track. There you go. Josh, that's for you. Watch some other events besides the 400 hurdles. She's great, (laughs) but tune into some other stuff. All right. We've had some great listener training questions come in recently. Uh, so let's hit one of those this week. And this is on what can be the counterintuitive juxtaposition mm-hmm. of training slow to race
1: fast. So, Phil,
0: you want to yeah, paraphrase the question? The question?
1: Yeah, um, could you speak to the point of running slow to go faster? This is in the context of long run and easy day training within a marathon cycle. I'm a relative novice at marathon running and struggling with this idea of it. I'm running a lot of easy days with one good workout session per week. I've noticed that my long runs are slightly slower than last year. Should I purposely keep my pace down? Or as I go along, will I just ru- naturally run faster because it's easier to do so? And how do I go faster on race day if I haven't been running those faster paces all along? That last part of
0: the question is probably the most common one that 100%. people have. Yeah. Yeah. I will add one thing. It was... That was in the context of a longer email, and he closed with a comment about knowing that he needs to trust the process, but also he's heard us say many times, know why you're doing what you're doing, when you're doing it, and he wants to better understand that. That's why you asked the question. I love it. And trusting the process, though, is not blind trust. The process has to be evolving and reflective, not static. You know, it, uh, we we have to be learning, and we have to make some changes when they're necessary.
1: We don't just throw darts though at the wall. Yeah. Well, but I think as well, it, it's understanding your body. This is kind of in a general, broad context, but just understanding your body, why you're maybe feeling the way you do, whether that's you're feeling fast and fresh and sharp, mm-hmm. or you know, heavy and slow and sluggish. That understanding that maybe phases through through a training cycle or through the year where you sometimes want to feel great, but sometimes you feel like you probably couldn't complete the distance. Yep,
0: yeah, so I have seven points, actually, oh, my in goodness. my response to this that I'll go through briefly, and you hinted at one of them. I don't them. have that many points. Yeah, <laughs> that's probably good. <laughs> Thorough answer here for the listener. Uh, first, to the point of comparing long-run paces from now to last, summer or maybe last year. I don't even know if it was at the same time. Yeah. I would go to my common refrain uh to quote Teddy Roosevelt, comparison is the thief of joy. Yeah. Don't fall into that trap. There is a time for evaluation. It largely should happen after the key races. Yeah. It, it happens in between. But don't get caught up in comparing every long run or every workout to when you did it before. This is one of the reasons that I encourage people to do runs if it, even if it's the same session or the
1: same long run, but on a different terrain, yeah, just to take that element away well or even to invert the your point that a lot of folks get in trouble when they end up racing themselves from strava or yes. you know their easy runs or something like that where you know your fitness may be improving, but your easy day may be a little bit slower than it was two weeks ago or or last year, yeah folks get in trouble when they see it's like, well, my easy day was, let's say 8.30 pace two months ago. I should be running faster and start notching up that effort much higher than it should be for, for that easy run. Don't let the metric become the outcome. Right. It's,
0: it's not your goal. It's just a tool you're using along the way. Uh, second, consider the time of year. In most places right now,
1: it's hot and humid. Oh, that's a perfect point for the past couple of weeks we've
0: had. So. Yeah. If you are running the best long runs you've ever run right now under these conditions, one of two things is happening. Possibly both. One, you could be in the best condition you've ever been. Yeah. But two feels a little bit more likely you might be pressing them too hard. Right. And he is training for a race that is something like three months away. So we want them to be better yeah. three months from now yeah. than they are now. But understand that heat and humidity effort is the variable that we are more concerned with right now than an exact pace. Yep. Yeah. Third, to build on that and to your earlier point, remember the relative position within your training build and your experience level. He stated he's he's a novice. Mm-hmm. That type of person most likely doesn't have a ton of experience with long runs. So we don't even have a good set of of data really to compare with to begin with. To add to that, all of these long runs are probably still a a pretty decent challenge because the body of long runs is just a
1: a couple years old. Training age, not age age. I I I'm making an assumption here, but I would guess that that pace for the long run is probably not that much different than your marathon pace. What yes. he's going to end up running so for that? Given that race. his
0: numbers, it's going to be relatively close. Yes. Fourth thing is overall consistency of volume is a big factor here as well. He's running more volume than he did a year ago. Yes, and especially more than two or three years ago. And so I think that's actually more valuable Mm -hmm. than the paces on these long runs, given that he's still getting these long runs. It's not like he has spread all the volume out over seven days. It's just it's more consistently high across the week. Right. Consistency of volume is one of the aspects that's going to answer that question of how do I run the pace on the day when I haven't done it in practice? Well, it's because you're going to be more aerobically developed via that consistency than you would by just running a long run 10 or 15 seconds faster every weekend. Okay. Fifth, yes, that pace very well could progress over the course of the cycle. One, because we're moving out of the summer, so it's inherently going to get easier. Two, you're getting more fit. Mm -hmm. And three, you might do stuff that's more race-specific. So, yes, it could progress – Especially with a more novice runner, we are first trying to build to a number, whether it's time or miles in a long run, and then we think about quality coming into it. I have another runner I coach who is in a very similar training age position as this runner who sent the question in. They're at different ability levels and very different life ages. But that's the biggest thing that we have discussed with this other runner and I. You haven't been to 16, 18, 20, 22 miles very many times. We just need to be able to get there and get healthy. Get comfortable running there. And get to the starting line. And and in time, it's going to add up. you got to be patient. That doesn't mean, though, like, oh, it's just going to happen. I just have to wait for it. You still need to do good work and you still need to have a good plan.
1: Well, it sounds like he is, though. He's got to work out a week and he's been consistent.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so that would lead to my sixth one. The easy efforts, if we step outside of the long run and we just consider all the easy running, even if that includes your long run, Mm -hmm. but the other days as well. Those easy efforts are what are allowing for the quality of the hard efforts and the hard efforts then that one per week that he's doing right now are going to make eventually that easy right, effort that easy feel even come
1: easier, much faster yeah. or that same pace is going to be that much easier. That's
0: right. Now, and there's a whole bunch of physiological stuff happening there too, where those hard efforts are improving your overall ability to, yep. to do what you want to do on race day, but also, uh, there may need to be greater spacing between the hard
1: efforts with age. and More recovery days or longer right. micro Yeah. You,
0: you might need two or three days in between the hard ones where you used to only need one when you did it in high school. Yeah. But especially if you're a novice and at a more advanced life age, if you're not 20 but you're 40 and you combine that with not a ton of running experience, yeah, that might be yeah. a recipe that says – I probably need a little bit of more space in between the hard efforts. Uh, and then I think the biggest one to what can, can be the hindrance uh, of going too fast on those long runs are there are certain aerobic developmental processes that are best induced at easier efforts. Yes. They may get hampered by running a long run too hard. Especially if you're unprepared for that. You're just going into different zones, different stimuli. And especially when you then add in the challenging conditions that we're in now, it could end up just setting you back more than it's worth in gaining in your training. Right. This was not on my list, but the one thing I'll just add to ease everyone's mind on that race day, I haven't run 26 miles at this pace. Yeah, virtually no one does that in training, right? (laughs) Just remember, you're going to be coming into it fresher. There's going to be a short peaking period. Mm -hmm. You're going to have the
1: physiological improvement of this entire weeks and months of development. Your body's going to have the time and the space to absorb that work you've done over the past three, four months or two, three years. That's exactly right. You will also have the excitement
0: and enthusiasm of race day Mm -hmm. when you are much more willing in a competitive session to push yourself to the edge. And in this situation, an October marathon versus a June long run, you're going to have better conditions. All those things come together. And I'll add another thing. You'll have people
1: around you as well. Yes.
0: Which the the greatest performance enhancing drug that exists is competition. Yep. He has run a marathon before. He has been here before. So it's not totally new. Mm -hmm. But in time, the more of those you run, the more comfortable you get with knowing I can do it on race day. But hopefully that's a broad look at why running training slow, especially in this time of year, is actually one of the tools towards racing. fast. Okay, let's then go to our third topic, Phil. And that is a 5K workout. So we've done some listener questions on 5K workouts before. We've talked about some of these concepts, but it's been a while. And I thought about doing this in a very specific context. This one hurts just to think about. Yeah, just <laughs> thinking about training for a 5K is no fun. No. What if you were in a program training for a 5K and we're assuming you're doing easy runs mm-hmm. and we'll throw in strides as well. Let's yep. just say you're doing that well, as We should well. be doing those. Yes. And then if I could only add one additional workout, what would that be? Okay. And then if I could only add one more, if we could have two sessions and they don't have to be in the same week or micro cycle, right? right? You can spread them out over the whole training block and let's take that to five. And so this is like the cornerstone foundational five workouts. Understand this is a painting with a broad brush here. We don't know... Well, we're giving you
1: creative ideas of things to play with. That's right. So we don't know
0: the individual circumstance for every listener, but we're thinking about things that have worked in general, have worked with runners that we've trained, have worked for ourselves, and taking that collective wisdom of a lot of years... And creating the base for where we'll go. Uh, So what I think we'll do, Phil, is we'll go back and forth, right? And we'll each pick our first one and then second and so on. I do have one important question before we begin, uh, because this affects my list a lot. (laughs) (laughs) How often are we racing? Is this just one target race or how do you want to do that?
1: Let's say one race per cycle. So maybe like a 10-week block. Okay, great. So... We're not racing much. No. In this circumstance, this is not. Well, that's the fun thing about 5Ks is you can race them every weekend. Like you can parkrun or something.
0: Well, and that's why I asked the question. Because mm-hmm. if we were racing them every weekend, I would almost say I'm only going to add my number one and that's it. Okay. And maybe I would get to two or three occasionally okay. because that race is such an intense effort, but in, and, and specific effort, right, right as well. But in this circumstance, this helps me extend the list. So, okay. Phil, I'm going to let you go because you have already declared that you're going to beat me at our December marathon. So, as the Kinda soon- like th- Sydney
1: McLaughlin, Yes. It? <laughs>
0: as the, the soon-to-be-crowned champion.
1: U.S. Marathon Championship. That's right,
0: Phil. What is your number one, I, I can only do easy running,
1: and this? Oh, you're going to love this one. To get ready for a 5K. Aussie quarters. Okay. So, to explain it, well, explain it. Oh, okay. Thank you. I'll I'll do this work for you, Phil. That's right.
0: This Aussie quarters of often also referred to as Deke's quarters. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rob DiCostello, who I mentioned earlier, is uh, maybe the most famous practitioner of this workout. In its uh, most common form, it is 8 by 400 at race pace mm-hmm. with a 200 meter float. Yep. Deke himself floated typically on this at at slightly slower than marathon efforts for a, a less talented or less experienced runner. That may be different. Yep. The on's. some people will run them, try to run them slightly faster than goal pace, uh, but that's the basic premise. So you're going with a very specific effort. Yes. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay. So and I, I want to say this as a caveat before I even let you speak because you gave me the floor, <laughs> Phil. So that's your fault. <laughs> if you were racing every week, would this still be your number one? Ooh. That's a good question, isn't it? That is a I'd good like question. you to give me credit for that. Because I'll say this, I wouldn't even put it anywhere near my list if I was racing every week. Yeah, that's true. Because of all the specific work I would already be getting.
1: No. Okay. Because I I think your point there, of all the specific work you would be getting.
0: Well, now you're just stealing my answer. I don't even know why I said
1: it. How about I do your list and my own (laughs) list, Phil? (laughs) No, well, you made me lose my train of thought, Travis. (laughs) So you know, if we're racing every week, we're getting that five k specific training in the race itself every single week. Mm -hmm. Whereas you know, we don't want to be doubling that with the workout we're doing on the Tuesday or Wednesday as well. Yeah. But I think this is a very versatile workout across the spectrum, whether you're running fifteen minute five k's or thirty minute five k's, in that you learn that race pace feel, Mm -hmm. you learn how the fatigue and the the effort build through that cycle that is going to be recreated during the race, but that you also learn how to change gears with that off float phase. Yeah. That particularly for a newer runner that may not, they may not have that many gears. Yeah. Whereas learning to kind of shift back and forth between the, the 400 at race pace and the 200 float, that's still, that floats still harder than easy effort. You know, it's somewhere, you know, let's call it marathon pace. So they're still, they're still pushing a little bit. So there's, there's number one. And you need to be able to most likely change gears within the
0: race. Right. Yeah. That's a good one. I don't have it on my list. I, I certainly thought of it. Uh, I'll explain why I didn't include something like that, even with knowing I have 10 weeks in only yep. one race. I did make one or two ground rules for myself when I uh, made my list okay. so that the, the listener could actually get value out of this. One was I refused to include the Mona Getty fart. Like, no Mona no. in here because you know I would put it on. So let's give you some <laughs> new stuff. And two is I also said they can't all be hills. So uh, there's, there's more to training We've done enough episodes that. on hills. Yes. Okay, so my first At least one for next week. would be 30-ish minutes of lactate threshold work. Ooh, okay. interesting. Okay. Uh, I'll have a goal of let's make that 25 minutes if you're less experienced. Uh-huh. That could also be a starting point earlier in the cycle, 20 to 25 minutes for someone who is experienced and uh-huh. has been at 30 before. And I'm really not very concerned with how it's broken. Three-minute segments, five, six, eight, ten, 10, up to 2 by 15 minutes with a long recovery. Uh, a really advanced runner could be running a uh, three. one of my all-time favorites, it, Iterations of this, the three mile, two mile, one mile, mm-hmm. with maybe something like a half mile easy jog in between. Okay. And that three mile starts like a little slower than half marathon effort, and the second one's on it, and the mile is just a little bit faster. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're a, a sub elite to elite runner, you can cover that in 30 minutes right. if, of quality if, if you're running at five minute pace. Right. But yeah. It, progressing like uh four by five minutes to five by five minutes to six by five minutes, like for that. example, yeah. the smaller segments are also good for slightly faster paces. If you're more like 15 K pace, so yep. even down to one of my favorites, if I'm, I can do threshold work at 10 K pace, even if that's like, for me, that, that is faster than my threshold yeah. effort, but I love to do it in four hundreds, anywhere from, I tend to, Compose it as 20, but it could be anywhere yeah, from 16 to 25, yeah. depending on your experience level. With uh, I do 100 jog, but that's about 30 seconds for me, so yeah. it could just be 30-second rest. That short rest combined with the interval is at a higher speed, but it's not super long. I'm okay. doing it in like uh, a little under 80 seconds, okay. so lactate levels stay managed. To quickly review why, we're not going to get too deep into the whys on these because we've done whole episodes about that. A 5K is largely aerobic. This is aerobic work. We're working on the number one demand. We've got increased efficiency as blood lactate levels rise, which is going to happen Mm -hmm. in your race. And when I compare it to your workout, for example, I believe this has a lower injury risk due to the intensity level. And I want to think long-term
1: global. Okay. So that's my number one. You want to pick up oh, with your number two, Phil? Number two. Well, you halfway stole my thunder because you took it off your list. It's going to be the Mona Fart list. No, that's great. It can be on your <laughs> list. I just, people are sick of hearing me talk well, about it. Oh, it's
0: fantastic. It should be on the everybody list. Everybody should do it. Like, yeah. Just like strides. Yes, that's no, right. <laughs> I do have an alternation kind of workout coming later. Okay. Um, we won't dive into the Mona Getty because we've, we've done, talked about it. Uh, it's a great a prediction thorough... for a 5K time, though. Meaning your average pace that you run. Uh-huh. That's interesting. See, I think I generally agree with you. I believe that maybe a measure of how well trained you are because I believe I would Always race a 5k faster than my total 20 minute average on a Mona. Okay. I tend to find it averaging out more around 10k to 15k pace. And as I constitute it, though, I will say that's because my I I focus more more towards marathon type training, right? I focus more on the floats. Yeah. I want to make sure the floats are steady, and then I just surge as hard as I can in between. I'm not necessarily really gunning it on the surges. I don't want to compromise the float. Again, quickly, two by 90 seconds, 90 seconds, four by 60, 60, four by 30, 30, four by 15, 15 for 20 minutes it. of effort. Love it. Yeah. We need to call Steve Monighetti and get him on this show. no one that. likes that guy more than I do. <laughs> I'm going to make some calls. <laughs> All right. Uh, my number two: I will go with a long run. Ooh And not okay. just a long run. What are the specifics? A steady to progressive long run. Okay. In this context, if you are maybe not super experienced, I want to work towards three times race distance, so 15K of distance Mm -hmm. getting covered. If you're more experienced, four times, 20K, so over 12 miles. And then more if you are a high-volume runner and or if you are also training for longer distances, longer race distances. I want to get to the distance first, but then I'm trying to add a little bit of pace. It is a long tempo in the sense of tempo as a rhythm, like right. we've talked about. Yep. Not like I'm trying Not to hit F lactate level. threshold. Yes, it's it's a rhythm. Uh, if I'm cutting it down here, I would probably use half marathon effort as a speed limit, Okay. I wouldn't want to go beyond that, faster than that. Again, we're, fo- we're focusing on aerobic processes. Right. I don't want to do, dabble in the other stuff that could become toxic to that aerobic growth. Uh, I have I, a simpler variation on here. but okay. okay. I keep the progression very natural and gradual. And sometimes don't progress at all. Just maintain a steady effort. Like one that I'll do is like 90-ish percent of marathon effort. Okay. Uh, I'll give an example. Round number that's fairly easy to work with. If you were a five-minute-per-mile marathon elite, Mm -hmm. running at like 5.30 pace would be 90%. Quick why here, huge aerobic growth. Uh, We're looking at things like enzyme development, capillary and mitochondrial density as we move to 90 minutes or more of running. I think you could create a perfect week if you are racing frequently with just my one and two. Yeah, My threshold work, a long run. Easy days with strides, and then your race race is in there. Yeah, no, I
1: think that's yeah right on. Well, and I think as well for the I'll talk about this later on with with mine, but just the importance of building the strength over that distance. Yeah, for particularly for a new runner that you know maybe the, this is their first five k, but getting comfortable going further than the distance allows you to to push the effort when you're actually out there. Yeah, racing. just the
0: mechanical aspects of that musculoskeletal impacts.
1: One from when I used to do a little bit of work coaching high schoolers it was okay. 300 on with a 100 recovery. Okay. And where what, what's the on pace? Hard. It's oh. hard. Okay. And I think this – I like this one because it's – I'm giving you a little bit of variety in terms – or a little bit of freedom, I should say, in terms of how many you're doing. You know, if This is something that you're new to, maybe only doing you know three or four. But if you're an experienced stronger runner doing eight, 10, 12 – but for those of us that are used to just doing easy days, getting a feel from the neuromuscular perspective of going a little bit faster than race pace, taking a little bit shorter recovery, but doing that over and over and over again, I think it's pretty strong for developing that 5k five k speed. Yeah. I
0: think we're headed towards an end result here where... I don't mean this as a judgment on either of our ideas, but rather just stepping outside of this and looking long-term. There's a very real chance your runner beats mine at this first meet and then mine beats yours down the road. Yeah. Maybe that's just the perspective that I look at training for because I believe the stuff I have is going to get most of the way there. Uh Uh-huh. You may get there better
1: the first time. I, well, as, as I put this list together, that was kind of my my reservation is that some these workouts are hard. Yeah. And they aren't ones that necessarily you could do week in and week out. Right. See, that's the thing. you you got to
0: sprinkle this in. I, I've used plenty of 300s with short recovery. One thing to consider is the athlete's speed because – you know, an elite runner at 300, we're not getting to the point where we're flooding the system with lactate. No. Uh, but that could be very different for a novice runner. Right. This maybe increases injury risk a little bit more.
1: It's like a risk-reward yeah. balance. Yeah. But I do think occasionally you have
0: to work hard. Well, and right? I think, and, you know, and,
1: from our, from our experienced runner, this to me is a great sharpening workout that you yeah. may do later on in the cycle as you approach the race. Okay, I like that. Yeah. Um, but then from a, a novice runner is really just learning how to go faster, you know, and even not ignoring the the metabolic components of it, ignoring thresholds that we may be approaching with this, but learning just how to develop that faster speed for a longer distance that, you know, we're doing our strides, of course, which really hits that top end speed. But what's a faster, sustainable speed that we can hold for, you know, a 5k distance?
0: All right, my next one, I'm going to go with, again, I'm putting it in this order because we're only going to race once this will be probably as far as quality the hardest session that i include 3 minute hills i'm going to do uh Ouch. five reps is the goal okay it could be a range of efforts at the high end i would put that at 3k intensity so that's probably okay. going to come out at, at somewhere if, i've discussed this in some hill episodes before that probably gets you to around 10k pace mm-hmm. if your hills not too steep 3k intensity where it's, it's a VO2 max type yeah. session at yeah. that point, right? And so that probably gets you your, your work that's just a little bit faster than your race. Yeah. But it could be anywhere from there to threshold intensity, depending on the goal of the session. On your recovery, you're probably want, going to want to recover easy at the beginning uh, of your way down the hill just to catch your breath, but then probably a bit of a more moderate recovery through the middle so mm-hmm. that the heart rate doesn't drop too much, something a little steadier, and then easy at the very end of it. So big-time aerobic gain here like I've discussed previously in my other examples, but it's the muscle fiber recruitment that okay. is, that's so big on the hills. Any of the things that I have mentioned or you have mentioned all of the evidence would suggest this is the most effective at strengthening the left ventricle of the heart, which is certainly a yeah. valuable piece in developing a five k runner. And then again, decreased injury risk as compared to doing. I, I've had plenty of five k runners do a three minute on, three minute off fartlek uh-huh. at around race intensity. Uh, but again, this is a little safer because you have the hill component, the, and the hill component,
1: climbing, yeah. yeah.
0: Okay, that's my number three. All right, okay. what's your four? Four.
1: Um, let's go with the, the 20 minutes tempo effort. Mine's yeah. a little bit shorter than yours, so you had 30. But you're considering that continuous? Or Well, you... no, just okay. at, at that level of effort. So that could be something like four by five minutes with you know one or okay. two minute recoveries, five by four minutes, or even up to continuous. So know. we've addressed then why we're doing it based on mine.
0: But why are you choosing to make 20 minutes your target, and I'm choosing 30 minutes? Well, because I'm softer than you are. Okay. Well, I'm glad (laughs) we got that out.
1: No, honestly, that's more just what I default to. I think we have the exact same reasoning.
0: Okay. The reason that it intrigues me is because you've been a bit more aggressive with your Uh other workouts. And so I thought maybe you'd be more aggressive here. Or maybe you were looking at it as
1: balancing the two so that – well and The previous examples from my end are more developing some of that 5K speed that you need. This is more working on your ability to handle the lactate that occurs over that race distance. And that's why I put it first, because I think that might be the biggest element. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. I'm going to go to hills again. I promise only two hill examples here. (laughs) One minute hills, up to 12 of them. This is the high power output. I thought you would
1: put this one on there.
0: If if we're going to do something that... Gets categorized as fast. Yeah, this would this be my it. my one this here. This hard. Perhaps as fast as mile effort, mile intensity. That doesn't mean you're running mile pace. By the... The last rep, top of the hill, you're probably pushing it that hard. One and a half to two times recovery back down yeah. the hill, I so would say. So we're just say.
1: jogging back down the hill.
0: Yeah, between 90 seconds and two minutes. Uh, my big one here, more so than the previous one, is slow the jog down if you need to to maintain the quality of the effort. Yep. I want the quality of the effort to be high, but you're, you're getting all that mechanical form muscle fiber recruitment stuff that I talked about before, but just now a little higher power output. This is if I were able to do four sessions, I would do this. In my example, I haven't even thought about combinations because you could easily tack four times a minute hill on the end of my threshold example from earlier and and just only do that. My first and second example, I would be using much more frequently than my third and fourth Mm -hmm.
1: Over the entirety over of a this. cycle, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So, your your fifth, my final. Well, it's a softer version of what you had earlier. It's yeah, just a ninety-minute long run. Yeah, just okay. working. Whether that's for the beginner, just working up towards handling that amount of time on feet, can mm-hmm. be huge for number one, strengthening the musculoskeletal system, but the aerobic development that occurs, and and there's something magical that happens once we get past that. 80 to 90 minute window in terms mm-hmm. of developing mitochondria, capillary density that plays a huge role in 5k performance. So we're moving from, you know, just completing a 5k for fun to actually trying to race this and push it hard. Or on the faster spectrum of things, we can turn this into a, a progression run where, yeah. you know, you'd start out pretty easy for the first 30 minutes, but by the last 15 to 20, 30 minutes or so, you're sitting around half marathon pace. So we're pretty similar yeah. on that one. I will finish with some sort of basic
0: alternations workout. You used uh, um, a Mona as an example, Mona Fartlek, as a different way to improve the threshold stimulus, mm-hmm. right? So we're working on it from different angles now, in addition to my more straight threshold reps that I, I put down earlier on. Uh, so this might be, for example something like 10 to 15 times one-on, one-off, but the off is steady mm-hmm. and the on is maybe 10K. So now I'm working just at both ends. Yep. Like if I was already between and 10K and marathon, I'm pushing and pulling. And then I would just try to adjust one variable at a time. So if I started with 10 reps, I might add till I got to say 15. Now I met, see what happened there? Yeah. 30 minutes yeah. <laughs> again. Uh, if I was training for something longer, I might go to 40 minutes, yeah. but... 30 minutes seems plenty, but don't try to change all these variables at once. So we have more than five really good sessions here overall. Uh, Quickly just go through your list again, Phil, uh, of what you might use. Yep. So the
1: first one was Aussie Quarters, so that's 400 hard, 200 float. Mm -hmm. Um, The second one was the Mona Mm Fartlick. The third one was 300 repeats with 100 recovery. Fourth was the 20-minute threshold. It's combined however you feel like. And then the fifth was the 90-minute long run. And I had a couple that
0: overlapped there. If I can only do one, it's going to be working up to, it might start at 20 minutes, but up to 30-ish minutes of lactate threshold work. Number two, I would add a long run that works towards eventually becoming steady and or progressive. Number three, I would go with three-minute hills. Number four, I would go with one-minute hills. They'd be faster Mm -hmm. than the three-minute hills. And number five would be some sort of basic alternation workout like fifteen times, one on, one not quite off, yeah. but moderate. Yeah. I could make a microcycle, let's just say it's nine days. A lot of people are on seven, some on ten. We'll yep. cut it down the middle. Where if I'm not racing in this build up to a five K, I might just do the threshold session the long run session and one of the hill sessions yeah. that I did and put easy days with strides in between. And I think you're going to get like 90 plus percent oh, of the way yeah. there to your potential repeat that week after week as a 5k runner and yeah. repeat it week after week and just maybe change the compositions. Maybe the threshold segments just get a little longer. I go from three minutes to five uh, to, to eight and then I come back to three. I bounce around to, to stay mentally fresh yeah. In both plans, you can become a pretty decent 5K runner. All that's left is to race. That's right. Have (laughs) fun with that. That'll do it for mile 124 of the Seconds Flat Running Podcast. Please, if you have questions like our listener from this week, which we really enjoyed, send those to podcast at gmail.com. I already have a next one that we're going to get on next Ah, time that I really liked as well. And we will see you next time on mile 125 of Seconds Flat. Everybody have a great week.